praise, everybody. Come on, give Jesus all the praise, everybody. Hey, stay standing. And if you're not already standing in the, in the overflows or over in the, uh, where are they at? In the theaters. We're so glad you're with us. Go ahead and stand with us. We're going to worship just with one more song for a couple of reasons. Um, one is, I want to, I if you don't know this song, I want you to have this song. This is a, it's one of my favorite. I think it was written by Matt Redman and some friends uh, got together and wrote this song. It's currently my favorite song um, that, that I sing. Um, I, don't, I don't sing. You're going to find that out in a second. I really don't sing, but I can worship. Uh, I, I did the music in church for the first 18 years of what is now 35 years of ministry. And so I, th this is what I do. And, um, and, and, um, but, so I worship every day. I have a piano at home and I spend time with the Lord every day in worship. It's my favorite time with the Lord. But I want to say this to you and, and take it down just for a second, guys, because I want you to hear this. Um, I'm concerned about a couple of things that the enemy is up to and he's been up to them since the beginning of time okay so you just got to hear this so like like one guy says before i preach i want to say something all right so here we go all right <laughs> so i want you to hear this and that the enemy has always tried to do think two things he's always tried to steal the worship away from god always first thing satan ever did was try to get the worship off of God. And by the way, it doesn't have to be on him for it not to be on God, just as long as it's not on God. It can be on anything else as long as it's not God. Selah, just think about that for a little bit, all right? So he's always tried to steal the worship. Always try to steal the worship. And, uh, and I think worship really matters. I'm, I'm a little concerned, and it might just be me. If, if it's my filter, spit it, spit it out. Don't, you don't have to swallow this if you don't like it. But, 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 I'm, but I'm noticing a trend where a lot of songs really aren't about God, like worship songs, we call them worship songs. They're about us. Wait, wait, listen, and, and, they're, and they're right. They're even theologically correct. They're even good. It's just not worship. It's only worship when his worth is declared, not ours. You need to hear that, all right? <laughs> I mean, listen to me, listen. And you have worth. We're, you have worth. You have worth in God's sight. And we talk about it in our messages. But I think there will be portions of the, of the church service where it's not about us, where it's all about him. Can I hear a good amen, somebody? I mean, really. So, I'm, so I want you to think about that even as you're navigating your own churches. We're having that discussion with our team. I'm even contemplating. You know, we got this LED wall. We have lights and smoke. And I think there's a line. I think there's a line where I stop thinking about him and I'm like, dang, that was really cool. Watch that move, that, you know? And so like, where's the line? We're, we're always talking about where's the line where it pulled people into the presence of God, but it didn't steal the worship off of God because we can all be guilty of it too. Are y'all following that, everybody? And so, so we're talking about it. We, we, haven't, we haven't found it yet. We're still grappling with that thought um, of just making sure we worship well, in fact, I, I read a C.S. Lewis quote. He said, the perfect church service is one that we would be unaware of. That, that the, all the attention would have been on God. Isn't that great? I mean, like, so I want that to be my goal. I don't want it to be your goal. I, I, like, when they come to our churches, who was the pastor again? What was the name of that church? All I know is I met Jesus, man. I, I had an encounter with God in that place. Come on, somebody. Come on, somebody. Come on, he alone is worthy. All right, right. One more thing. So if that's the first thing Satan ever uh, did, 
The first thing Satan ever said was, first words out of his mouth are, in the garden, did God really say? He'll always attack worship and he'll always attack the word. All right, listen to me, one more. I'm seeing a trend, even among churches and pastors who are almost excusing the Bible. Like, I'm so sorry, it says this. I'm, um, there, there, there are some, hey, hang on, it gets better. There are some, there, there are some that are even, um, saying that you can't, especially in the Old Testament, you can't even really go there and all of that. That, that almost to the, to the degree where they believe that the Old Testament is a stumbling block for people to find Christ. And, and like, what, what? I was asking this one guy, like, what, what do you mean? I don't understand, what do you mean by that? This guy texted me and said, this, this is out there. And I'm like, what do you, like, what, what things? And he mentioned Jonah and the whale. Like, what's wrong with Jonah and the whale? You know, what's wrong with that? Well, a man can't live in the belly of a whale for three days. Well, I happen to believe that. That's not possible. But, ne but neither is it possible for, you know, the children of Israel to walk on dry ground through a Red Sea and it's, or for a virgin to have a baby. That's not possible. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of things not possible. You know what I'm saying? And so if that's going to be your angle, well, my goodness. And for heaven's sakes, don't quote one that Jesus used. I mean, that's like one of the ones he talked about. Like in the belly of the whale, so shall the son of man be the... You know what I'm saying? Uh, just... I'm saying, listen to me, I'm trying to pass you right here. Make worship about Jesus and nobody else. Listen to me. God doesn't owe us anything. He alone deserves all the glory and all the worship and all the praise. And listen to me. Listen to me. And please, 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 our churches, please stay true to the Word of God. Just stay true to the Word of God. Don't get to the place where you, there's stuff in there that you don't, I don't, know, I don't know if I like that. Well, there's a lot in there I don't like. But if you only accept the stuff you like, then really you're not worship. you become a God unto yourself. In fact, if your God does not disagree with you once in a while, you've created one where you just idealize yourself, everybody. You're just worshiping yourself. You become a God unto yourself. Can't go there. So, all that sets up this song. I know it's a long introduction to a song, wasn't it? But, but, but it's, just, it's just, I can't stop singing it. So when I'm at home by myself, we sing this song, Come Help Me Because I Can't Sing. It simply goes like this. Worthy of every song I could ever sing. You know this one's singing out. Worthy of all the praise we could ever bring. Worthy of every breath. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe, we live for you. Come on now, declare Jesus is the name above every name. Jesus, the name above every other. He's the only one who can save. Jesus, the only one who could ever save. Worthy, Lord. Worthy of every breath. One more time. Come on, tell him he's worthy. Worthy of every song we could ever sing. You are worthy, Lord. Worthy of all praise we could ever bring. My breath will go. Worthy of every breath we could ever bring. We live for you. Come on, Ark, sing his name, Jesus. 
above every name. Jesus, the name above every other name. Jesus, the only one who could ever say, You are worthy, Lord. Worthy of every breath we could ever breathe. We live for you. Come on, Ark, sing it out holy. worship leaders. I love you guys so very much. Uh, and as you're taking your seats, um, I want to just uh, remind you that tomorrow we have, uh, we're so excited to be hosting Pastor Brian Houston from Hillsong is going to be here tomorrow. Yeah. And also tomorrow night, 
uh, we're going to have uh, an offering that we're going to give 100% of it away to plant more churches. We're already planting a lot of churches. We want to plant some more churches. And we've already had uh, some pastors pre-conference came to us and said, we want to see the offering. And they gave over a half a million dollars uh, to that offering already. So we're just going to build on that. Can you hear a good amen, everybody? All right. So listen to me. Here's how I say it at Highlands. And that is, uh, I've never asked our people for anything, and I'm not going to ask you today, but I am going to unapologetically ask you to ask God. So I want you to just have that conversation with the Lord. Lord, what would you have me to do? And just do what the Lord shows you to do, both personally uh, and in your church. Uh, Tammy and I are going to pray about what we're going to do personally in that offering, and then Highlands is going to jump in as well. And so just do whatever the Lord shows you. And if he says nothing, that's fine with me. Just do what the Lord shows you in that and obey God. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? And, uh, and I'll let you know, too, what the, what the board, the, we call it the board is the lead team. And we just don't like the word board, but it's an official board uh, uh, of these pastors. But the lead team, all of us uh, that lead ARC, uh, what we do is uh, from our churches, we underwrite the overhead, the administrative costs of ARC through, just through our churches so that every dollar that you give uh, from your churches when you become a partner or a member of ARC, every dollar, every single dollar goes to the church planter. Every single dollar. Not one goes to paper or phone bills or offices. We, we, we cover all that ourselves. All of us are investing in this. None of us make a penny from this. We invest every bit of our lives and heart and soul in this so that every dollar uh, you can come share the results of, of hundreds and hundreds of churches being planted all around um, America and now the world. And so thank you for being a part of that. One of the things that makes it possible as well are all those booths out in the foyer out there. And uh, they mean a lot to us because they're not only friends of ours and they not only support, you know, they're, they're come here to help you guys and be a support to you guys, but they also give, which underwrites this, this whole conference, like all of these parties. And so when we feature some of these guys that are, that are sponsoring lunches or they're sponsoring parties and things like that, man, just be sure to go out there and just at least give them a glance and a thank you and a, man, I appreciate what you've done. And because they really, they've invested big time. And I want to give one shout out. We're giving a lot of shout outs throughout this. I want to give a shout out to one of our newest relationships and I'm just going to be very honest with you. They have, they've come to us and blown us away with the amount that they're giving to church planting. I mean, it's like, it's a, it's, it's like, it's like knocking on the door of seven figures. These guys are like, they, they are, they said we are all in and it's called the Wesleyan Investment Foundation. And not only are they a great partner for church planting, but they're also are the ones that a lot of our church planters are going to, to, to borrow money. Uh, they, they, they actually are taking risks on churches and pastors that other banks won't. So if you're even looking for a great partner to either to put your savings accounts on deposit up, or if you're in a building project and you need some money, you're going to find these people to be the salt of the earth. Can we put our hands together and say thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, guys. We love you so very much. I mean that. All right. I've got 51 slides to show you. I'm like, I'm way over prepared. This is crazy, all right? So we're going to fly because there are desserts and cookies out on the lawn. Come on, somebody, all right? But if you know anything about ARC, what we tried to do 17 years ago, we're just a bunch of friends. We just, that's why we call it the Association of Related Churches. We're just a bunch of buddies that thought, why don't we just do something, do a project together? So 17 years ago, we got together and said, why don't we plant churches? Why don't we train them? And resource them, high-five them, and just see how many of these we can do in our lifetime together. Over the years, that has happened uh, in, in a wonderful and beautiful way. 
But over the last couple of years, a need has arisen out of that. And that is we have found out that there are a bunch of pastors and leaders who are orphaned, like they're not connected. They don't have a family. They're, they're, they're not, they need more than our money and more than our, 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 our know-how on planting churches. They're looking for real relationship. You need to know that we're having that conversation uh, as, a, as an organization that really just tried to plant a bunch of churches, that there's just this pressing need on us for us really to be a family of churches, not exclusively, not, not at the expense of you leaving any other relationship, but that people are looking for covering. They're looking for, they're looking for a little bit more than just conferences and resources and money, although money is good. Can I get an amen to somebody, right? And, and, and honestly, we're discovering there's really an epidemic, a problem happening in America that I want to address. I'm going to kind of give you a little bit of scripture, and then I can't help but give you some lists. I have five lists for you. If you like lists, you're going to be happy about tonight. Like, right? I'll, if I had a list of everything I like, lists would be at the top of the list. I like them. I just so just enjoy. But there are 4,000 new churches that are starting, estimated about 4,000 new churches starting every year in America. But watch this. There are 7,000 churches that are closing their doors every year in America. So we're not even keeping up, not, not even close. Uh, you say, Chris, what is that? Why is that happening? And this is, in my, pro- in my mind, a problem. And we're finding out as we're getting into and we've actually done official research. We're trying to study what's going on in the church world. Why, why, why is this happening? And we're finding out it's because pastors are disconnected. They, they, you can never grow. You can never reach your full potential alone. That's why the theme of our conference this year is better we're, be- we're better together. And that's not just like a rally point. That's not just a, 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 that's not a cheer. That's like a truth. Like you can't, you can't multiply without connecting. Think about that. All the ways that, that little statement is true, right? <laughs> there you go. It took you a while. Some of you are slower than others. All right, you got it. All right. Nothing multiplies without intimacy. Nothing. Nothing in God's creation multiplies without closeness, without connection, you have, to get to get, you have to get together for growth to happen. Your church is never going to grow just because you preach good. It, it's only going to happen if, 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 if some connections take place. And we find out that's not happening. In fact, 90% of all pastors feel inadequately trained to cope with the ministry demands. So they're just, they're, in other words, they're overwhelmed. 80% of pastors believe ministry has negatively affected their family. So they're not reaching out. They're closing in. 70% of all pastors, they say, constantly fight depression, which is an issue. 50% of pastors want to quit, but they have no other way to make a living. That's all I know how to do, right? <laughs> I'd go today if I could figure out a way, all right? So, 50% of pastors will not last five years. That's the current statistic. That's, that's sad. And only one out of 10 ministers are going to retire as a minister in some form. You say, Chris, why is that? What we are coming to the conclusion of is because they're not together. They're not connected. They're not supported. They're not, and, it's, and again, it's more than organizational support. They need relational support. This is a biblical principle. In fact, Paul tried to address it. He did address it in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 when he says, all right, when I tell you this, I'm not telling you this to make you mad or to shame you. I'm telling it to warn you and even cause them Children, it's like I got, I got a warning for you guys, and I love the fact that he throws it into the family mindset right off the bat, and he says, even though you have a lot of conferences and a lot of websites you can go to, and you have 10,000 guardians, and you have a lot of people who can teach you something, and for heaven's sake, there's a zillion books out there to read, you do not have many, say the last word, many, that's your problem, you're never going to, 
you, you have a, you have, it's a father problem. It's a father problem. And he says, for in Christ Jesus, I became your father. What Paul was trying to do, more than just plant churches, which is what we're trying to do, he also knew the need to father the churches that he was planting. And that can get weird. It can get, it can get dominating and controlling, and that, that has happened, and it's made a lot of people just stay away from it. Well, I think we ought to learn from the lessons of all the mess-ups in that whole movement, the movements where they begin to control churches. I think we can't lose the fathering principle in the middle of it all. Are you hearing me, everybody? This is big, right? So we got to figure this stuff out. And then he says, not only am I a father, but I need a bunch of you guys to do it too. I'm urging you to imitate me. What does that mean? You need to go find some pastors who need some connection and some love because we can't do it. If we, all, if we all fathered 20 or 30 pastors, we're not even coming close. Like it has to be a movement, an organic movement of relationship. We are the association of related churches, for heaven's sakes. We're more than church planters. And I've come to the conclusion of two things. One is that every pastor needs a pastor. So if you don't have a pastor, you need a pastor. And I'm really convinced of that. So you ought to go find somebody and you ought to say, I need you to be my pastor. Now, they don't have to be in your government. They don't have to be the one who can fire you. In fact, it's probably better if they're not. Because you'll probably tell them things you wouldn't tell them otherwise, right? But you need a pastor. You need someone. I am so grateful that I have a pastor. He's been my pastor since I was 15 years old. I'll be 55 this year. And he's been my pastor for 40 years, Pastor Larry Stockstill. He texted me right before my message. He just, I mean, I, I hear from him. He loves me. He prays for me. I had a tragedy this past year in my family. I was completely overwhelmed. He stopped everything he was doing and was here in four hours and stayed for 12 days never left my side and navigated that situation with me and for me. And I'm telling you, you need a pastor. Every pastor needs a pastor. I'm convinced of it. And I also believe that every person needs a touch. Every person needs a touch. I want you to think about this spiritually. I think they need, by the way, I think a spiritual touch is a physical one. I think you need to be physically touched, handshake, hug. I think there's something to it. Medical science will tell you that. And there is a doctrine that the Bible calls elementary and foundation that no longer exists in the church. I'm going to show it to you in Hebrews chapter six. It says, and Paul says, so we don't even have to talk about this. Let's, let's move on and talk about something else. And I think, no, 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 we don't have it. We got to come back to it, Paul. Let us move beyond elementary teachings about Christ, and, 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 and so we can go into some mature things. And we're not maturing. We're losing 3,000, netting loss of 3,000 churches a year. That's what's happening. We're losing nine out of 10 pastors over their lifetime. So no, we got to come back to, we got to go back to one plus one. And here's one plus one. He says, here are the doctrines. Not laying again the foundation. These are, these are what all of ministry is built on. And he mentions six things. Repentance from acts that lead to death. Faith in God, instruction about baptisms. Notice there are more than one. And, not, and the laying on of hands. So it's not just a bless you. No, no, no. Go put your hand on the brother. Let, let him put a blessing on his life. Laying on of hands. The resurrection of dead and eternal judgment. Here's my definition of the doctrine of laying on of hands. That everything in the kingdom of God is relationally transferred by contact. 
So I can't just text my kids. No, I got to touch my kids. I got to be with my kids. Go out and spend time with my kids. Like we have to get relationally connected. There has to be contact with another who possesses what needs to be transferred. In other words, there are things that other people have that you need and you can't get it by listening to their podcast. You got to go get close to the brother. And that's why the devil's so genius. He really is. I hate to give him props, but I mean, he gets, only he could come up with what they call social media. That's not social. It's a, it's, it's a facade. It's a, it's, we're more disconnected. You can see it in a restaurant. A fam, uh, Tammy and I were, went out to eat and there was this family sitting together and all five of them were on their phones. They never looked up from their phones. We have a no phone rule whenever we sit down at a meal. Like, put your phone away. We lived just fine without them years ago. We, in fact, I think we were happier. You know what I'm saying? Can I get a better amen from anybody who knows... I'm telling you, man, there's something to this, that, that we've we got to be careful of, of, the, of, these, of these disconnect points. Of, of, and, and while I love it and use it, online church, I'm telling you, it's a trap for so many. Because you can't get God, you've got to get God's people, and to get God's people, you've got to have the laying on of hands. You have to have contact. Are y'all hearing what I'm trying to say? I think there's a need for... For, for, for a real relational movement to take place back for the health of churches and for the health of ministers. In fact, I, I did some reading on just the, how, what skin to skin, and, and I'm, of course I'm talking in every healthy sense of the word, skin to skin contact, just like, like when, they, when they're trying, when, when they have premature babies in ICU, they, 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 they recruit volunteers to give those babies as many touches as possible during the day. You can't leave them in the little incubator. In fact, this is a direct quote from a science website that the lack of physical contact can prevent normal development. I think we have that going on in the church. And can even lead to higher rates of illness and death. That's the t- statistics I showed you earlier. Like just a lack of contact. Listen to me. It doesn't have to be us. There is a bunch of us that would love to come into your life and do a whole lot more than hold a conference for you. There's a, I'm telling you, and there's some, um, these friends of mine down here are the best people I know on planet Earth. And every single one of them, they, they would take you up under your arms and, and, and spend time with you and lay hands on you and bless you. And I'm telling you, there'd be a transference. And none of us want any money for it. We don't want any fame for it. We don't even need it to be organizational. Certainly don't need it to be, to be governmental. I just believe that if the church grows beyond what it can touch, it will become malnourished and begin to die. I'm convinced of it. And by the way, the same is true in your own church. If you build a church based on platform ministry and events, I promise you, it ain't going to grow. I'm just telling you. Why? Because all things multiply through intimacy, connection, everything in creation does. So there's my preach. What'd y'all think? Y'all like that okay? All right. All right, I, I'm not much of a preacher, but there you go, all right? So, but let, let me, what I want to do is I want to teach you now. This is what I really love to do. And I want to teach you how to be a father. And when I say that, I'm not saying that to the men. I'm saying that to everybody. I'm saying that as a principle, not as a gender. That you need to learn how to lay hands on people. And you need to show your love to them. And who should we learn fathering from? 
the heavenly father. So if you look at the heavenly father at his contact with his son, we don't really get a lot. Like we know it happened. They were talking every day, but we don't really, it's not much of it's recorded. So the father is talking to his son, Jesus, every day. But by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, it's only recorded what the conversations even were like twice. At the baptism and at the Mount of Transfiguration. I'll show you both. In Matthew, in Matthew it says, at that moment, heaven was open and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, alighting on him. And a voice from heaven came and said, now here's the Father. You're my son whom I love and I'm very well pleased with you. It's a beautiful thing to say to your children, by the way. You're my son. I love you. Couldn't be prouder of you. I want you to know that. And then while he was, this says in Matthew 17, the second place, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them. A voice from the cloud said, this is the transfiguration. Now, this is later. But it's the same words. This is my son whom I love and with him I'm well pleased. So here's my thought is, if, if we're only going to get twice that we even get the words, and the two times we get the words, the words are exactly the same, maybe those words are pretty important then. Maybe he was making a statement to us about what he didn't say, saying, look, really, you don't even need to know the rest of the conversation. Just say these things. So if you're going to be fathering people, let me tell you what they need. I call this what every son needs. And again, when I say son, I don't need, I'm not talking about guys. I'm talking about this is... This is a principle, not a gender. I think every son, every son needs the sense of acceptance. That you belong. You're here. You're in this family. That's why we're using that language a lot this year, family. We're family. We're not going to be a denomination. We're never going to do that. We're not going to have control over churches. We're never going to do that. But I do believe that our needs to shift not just from planting churches, but to being more of a family. And there are a lot of you that already belong to family. Listen to me. Stay loyal and close to your family. But if you're looking for a family, I hope you found a family. I really do. I hope you found a place where you can get close and, and, and a true contact blessing can come to you. I think whenever you're loving someone, you've got to give your team, your dream teamers, your church, this sense of, man, we are Highlands. We, we, we belong together and give them that sense of belonging. When I look at my kids, when they, when they were little, when they were leaving the house, I said, don't forget, I know, Dad, what? I'm a Hodges. That's right. We don't live like everybody else. And I gave them this sense of we're Hodges. We, the world, we don't follow the world. The world follows us. I told them that. <laughs> I was sure hoping that that's what they would do. Come on, somebody, right? <laughs> that this is my son. You're the son I love. He was also not afraid to share affection. It's amazing to me the number of people who cannot share open affection. And I know it's gotten weird. And I think even the devil has tried to make it so off limits. He stirs up things that I'm, I'm validating. It's real. Please don't mis, misunderstand me. But now there's just, everybody's concerned because we've got all this news coming out about how people were, were abused and, and touched in wrong ways. And, and now it's just made people all the more guarded about, man, I can't let anybody into my life. Listen to me, listen to me. In order for us to multiply, you're going to have to be able to share some affection. I love you. You're awesome. I love you. Don't let it get weird. We can't let it go there, right? But there, we can't be afraid to share affection. You can't be afraid to share affection to your family and your church family. But not only that, in whom I am well pleased. We give them not only acceptance, 
We not only give them affection, but I'm telling you, every person needs some affirmation. I couldn't be prouder of you, Daniel Floyd. Dude, you preached it. I couldn't have been prouder of you, my man. It was just out of the, it was awesome, right? And what I'm doing there, and by the way, I genuinely mean that. That's not just an example there. The, the, brother, the brother killed it, man. He just killed it this morning. He had, he had the pressure of being the very first speaker in front of all of us. None of us spoke. We put him up here because we're trying to let you guys know we believe in sons around here. So none of us spoke first. We let him speak first. And he got up here, and you killed it. Give him a hand, everybody. He did a great job. Okay. And that's why, listen to me, I'm telling you, it's a lost art in the church of just attaboys, girls. Hey, before we go any further, I just want to say thank you to, and point people out. Paul did that. You notice how he ended his letters with, with shout outs like, I want to bless O Eutychus and Eucalyptus and all those that, no names, and, <laughs> all them Greek names. <laughs> I just, you kind of get the point, right? So I'm getting this. I got this about last fall. I mean, I'm, I'm stirred. I was actually on a plane back over the, over the pond, Pacific, and, and I, read, I read, my goodness, baptism, transfiguration. God says the same thing. When I landed the plane, one of our trustees sent me an email. He always sends me these, um, Ken Polk's his name, he sends me these Harvard Business Review articles about leadership. And, and, or any kind of, any, if he's read anything. Well, he had read this article from Inc. Magazine, and here's the title of the article. This is the actual Inc. Magazine article. And that is, want to double your employees' loyalty? Well, yeah. Science says provide these three things. And they have discovered that people are motivated. Their loyalty is not motivated by how much you pay them. They're motivated by something more emotional. That 90% of the decisions for people's loyalty is based out of the, the emotional part of their brain. And that those emotions need three things. Guess what they are? This is the actual words of the article. They need to feel like they belong. You are my son. They need to feel safe. I love you. There's no, nothing characterized love more than I feel safe around you. In whom I am well pleased, they need to feel like they matter. Bro, what we are doing together is making a difference. Do you sense what we get to do together? I love it when science figures out what God always knew. Amen, everybody? It's just always so much fun. And so we started talking about it among our team. Because I'm convinced the way you grow a great church, and, and I'm going to go there now, because more than half of you said you don't come to conferences for preaching. You come to conferences uh, for help, help me grow my church. So I'm going to tell you exactly what we, we, we put in place because of this revelation out of God's word. And that is we, we have a radical, <laughs> um, a radical movement among all of our campuses, campus pastors, and dream teamers to do, to do what you just heard out of God's word. And I'm going to put it into three practical steps that you can actually leave here and begin to do right now. So let me say it this way. If you'll do these things with the leaders around you, I'm promising you, you're going to get more leaders. They're going to gravitate to you, and it's going to grow your church. It's the best way to grow your church. It's not to develop your ministry, but to develop the people that God sent you. Amen, everybody? So let me give you three ways you can do it. So I told you I love lists. This is, I'm just so happy right now. Okay, number one, <laughs> to see people as they could be, not as they are. Never look at somebody as they are. Always see them through the lens of their potential. 
Don't ever let a person be defined by what they did. Let them be defined by who God made them. Always preach to your people by the, that way, by the way. Speak to them what the, they are to become. Why? Because that's what faith does. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I had to live that out with my kids. I don't see it in you, but I'm going to speak it over you, all right, you know? <laughs> and I refuse to let my kids be defined by what they did. I was always going to speak the potential that I knew was inside of every one of them. You've got to see people that way. In fact, people tend to become what the most important people in their lives think they will become. Like, get this. This could be worth the whole thing right here. Listen to me. People tend to become what the most important people in their life think they will become. So that's why the most important people in their life need to tell them who they can become. I don't, even like, I don't even like praise or it actually doesn't really float my boat, not even a little bit, except when it comes from Rick or Randy or Dino or Greg or Pastor Larry, because those are the most important people in my life. So I, it, actually, I promise you that none of it floats my boat, not, not even a little bit. It means the world to me when they do. Why? Because you will become what the most important people in, life, in your life think you will become. And that's why you pastor, you leader, I'm telling you, they look at you and they see you as the most important person in their life. And don't point out their sin, point out their potential, everybody. They know their sin, they came in with it. They don't need a reminder of it. Am I preaching to anybody right now? Because I'm about to turn from teach to preach, I'm, I'm feeling it. We got a Hammond, Hammond B3 back there. I might call Stovall up here and get a vein on you, all right, get ready, all right. But you can't, you got to see people through the eyes of faith, but you can't just see it. You also have to say it. You got to say what you see. So you got to say it, like I say it a lot. Just tell them what you see inside of them. Let me tell you what I see inside of you. Why? Watch this. I'll show it to you. As it is written, I have made you a, say the word out loud, I made you a. Okay, how do you become a father? Watch this. He's the father in the sight of God in whom he believed the God who gives light to the dead and calls things that are not as though they were. So that's how you become a father, is what the Bible's saying. If you want to become a father to people, which I'm convinced we need this movement of relationship in the church to get the church healthy again, I'm going to tell you what you do is you got to see it. Can't say it till you see it. You got to see it first, see through the eyes of faith. But then once you see it, you got to get in the habit of saying it. Go up to him and tell him, I'm going to tell you what I see in you. I'm telling you, go up to some of your leaders and say, let me tell you something. There's a pastor inside of you. And I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm telling you, you can help me pastor the people in this church, even in your marketplace ministry. I'm telling you, I see something on the inside of you. One of my top leaders on my team is a guy named Hamp Green. He, was, he, he did not need me to come into his life. I mean, he was, he was doing very fine financially, making a, a whole lot more than I have ever will or have paid him a lot. But I'm going to tell you, I started noticing all these pastoral abilities inside of him. Very successful businessman on our board of trustees, which by, by, by definition, you cannot be on staff if you're on the board of trustees. I did not need him off that board. But I'm telling you, there was a gift on the inside of him. And I'm saying, my brother, I'm going to tell you something. There's a, you're a pastor. I've never seen people treat people the way you treat people. You're, you're a pastor. And he said, Chris, I think I'm supposed to come on your team and help you. And next thing you know, he's leading, and now he leads our three-fourths of our vision. 
Like he is small groups, grow track, and a dream team. He leads it all. Tens of thousands of people pastoring this business guy. Why? Because I'm telling you, he, there was something inside of him. He just needed somebody to say it. Okay, you ready for this? This is the first time I'm telling this story. I've now passed the, the threshold of when I, I agreed that I would never tell this story until now. It's seven years old. I've talked to my son. He actually doesn't even live in this state anymore, so I'm telling the story, everybody. All right, here we go. <laughs> seven years ago, my son David, right on the heels of his hero, Billy Hornsby, passed away. Got, it, he got despondent by it. B David is Billy's namesake, David William Hodges. And he just, got he just got messed up by Billy's death and started hanging around some friends. And it was the only time in Tammy and I's parenting history that we did not ask, where are you going? We only let up one time and it bit us. And he took off with this group of friends and did some underage drinking and somebody saw them. And they had gotten mildly drunk. They didn't even were like slam dunk drunk. They were just mildly drunk, right? And uh, someone saw them, called the police and the police arrested them. You ready for this? It was on Good Friday. I had just preached my brains out two services, and I had uh, uh, 74 more services to go, right? You know what I'm talking about? That's what it feels like. I just laid my head down, 11 o'clock at night, ring, ring, ring. Picked up the phone. It's David. Like, my son, what in the world's going on? What are you doing? And, and, or when David was the police, hey, we got your son, we need you to come out here. So I got in the car, I drove to this place, and the first thing I saw was this dad berating his son. I mean, like ripping him up one side and down the other. That's it. You're, we're sending you off. You'll never be around us again. This is the last straw. And I knew, man, I got to do this next moment really right. I really have to get this right. And so I walked to my son, I put a big old smile on my face. I said, hey. And he was looking at me like, are you, are you going to kill me? He's he sitting in the back of a police car. And I said, hey. I said, hey. I said, guess what? I said, I've never loved you more than I love you right now. And, and you've never needed me more than you need me right now. And I said it just like that. And he just broke down, busted out crying. And by law, he had, in fact, the police officer walked up and go, oh, Pastor Chris, this is your son? I'm like, oh, man. You know, I mean, yeah, it's my son. Yeah. He goes, if he was the only one, I'd let him go, but I can't now. I mean, if I, just, if I get in so much trouble, like, I'm like, sorry. I said, arrest him. It'll be good. Trust me. It'll work out. You know? So make you feel any better. I have a child who's been arrested, and, and it, by law, he had to spend a certain number of hours in prison, and, and we bailed him out and had a long conversation. My next conversation with him was this. I just said, I said, I know this is what you did, and you're going to pay for it. Like, it's... Like, whether if I, if I do nothing or not, you're going to pay for this. This is, there's, there's going to happen, right? You did that. But what you did is not who you are. This is not who you are. And, um, and I, I'm telling you, if all my kids have a, a very special anointing in their life, but I'm telling you, he, he's got a very special anointing on his life. And he is serving Jesus right now. He's, he's out serving Hillsong, Los Angeles now as their college pastor, and I couldn't be prouder of him, and he's, he's killing it, and I'm really, and it's, and it's, and it's, and it's awesome. But listen to me. you got to say that stuff to people. In fact, the single biggest illusion in communication, single biggest problem in communication is the illusion that it has taken place. That's just a great quote. So you got to see it. I'm going to close. you gotta, you got to see it, say it, and then you got to start it. Start a process to develop people. Like, 
get a small group. Even if you don't have small groups, get some people in your life and start mentoring them. Pastors, start connecting. You're going to hear from all of us in the near future about ways that we can organize with you into groups. We're already doing it through what we call ARC meetups, but those aren't just for fun. We think people need to connect in order to multiply, and we're going to help you with that. And all of us here on the team want to be a part of that with you. We want you to hear that. But you got to start a process, and here's this verse kind of tells you what the process should look like. That one of the things I always pray is for the opportunity, God willing, Paul said, I can't just write you a letter. I got to come and see you. Paul said, I don't write letters. I, my letters say, I'm coming to see you. For I long to visit you, to contact so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. And when we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but also want to be encouraged by yours. This is the example for us, church. I'm telling you, if we'll live this out, we're going to turn those numbers around. 17 years ago, when we wanted to plant churches, we planted churches because, because uh, only about 10% of all church plants were succeeding 17 years ago. We wanted to turn that around. The best number we could find was 20% of church plants would succeed. And ARC has had an over 93% success rate since day one. To God be the glory for that. All right. So we got healthy church plants now. Now we need healthy churches and healthy pastors, right? And we need to do what John Maxwell says. Come on out, team. We're going we're gonna to worship. The growth and development of people is the highest calling of a leader. Let me say it this way. The highest calling is not your next week's sermon. Praise God for preaching. But the highest calling of a leader, in my opinion, is growing and developing people. People that we're going to pour our lives into them. Can I hear a good amen, everybody? I had more. I actually have about 10 more slides, but I'm not going to share them. I may give them to you another day. Not, no, I'm not going to do it. not going to do it. not going to do it. I was going to tell you not, not only how to be a father, but that we found out that more than half of the people that come to ARC are not church leaders. They're actually sons serving their church leader. So this next list was going to be for the sons because I gave you what every father, what every son needs, but I'm going to give you whatever father wants. Y'all want to hear it? Real fast. Right. I didn't do that on purpose. I promise you. All right, so they've, already, they, they've taken it off the confidence monitor. I don't even know what I'm going to say next, all right? Y'all thought I memorized my sermon, didn't you? No, no. So when I have this up, the next slide's down there. I'll tell you my cheat. That's what I'm doing, right? So. <laughs> this is just a great verse about being a son instead of a servant. Listen to me, if you're not the senior leader of your church, let me just give you, I'll give them to you in, two, in, in a minute and a half. Four things, invest in your inheritance because it's going to be yours one day. So that's how you got to see it. So you, gotta, you invest in your inheritance. Hey, let me tell some of you church, young guys out here, I, I can't do this the rest of my life. So we're, gonna be, we're already having conversation on who's going to lead this thing after us. So invest in your inheritance. One of the reasons Daniel Floyd was our first speaker this morning is not only because he's a young, dynamic leader of a growing church and you needed to hear from a young, dynamic leader, but he's actually, his church is one of the most generous churches in all of ARC. He got our attention. But, but honestly, what he's done is this principle. He's investing in his inheritance. He knows one day he'll, this will be, this will, this will be, it's going to be you guys. You're going to have this. And that's what every son needs to do. If you're serving your senior leader, you make that thing great like you're going to own it one day.
I'm telling you. You need to also increase your own personal value. So my favorite people on my team who are those who make themselves better every year. Number three, say yes to everything. Like everything, everything. Just say yes. I'm telling you, God will honor it. And then finally, you know this one. You honor those who are in authority. Just honor them. Honor them. Just give honor. Just always give honor. Stand up. Hand clap. Listen to me. The person receiving it shouldn't need it, but the person giving it does need it. By the way, if you're the leader who needs honor, I'm telling you, there's some issues we need to talk about, all right? But the people giving it, they need honor is given for the people giving it, not for the person receiving it. It's very important you understand. You give honor. You stand up when people walk in the room. You take your hat off and say, yes, sir. I'm telling you, you give honor and watch what God will do. What Watch what God will do. I'm convinced. I'm convinced that ARC needs to have this culture that, that uh, it's an environment that creates life. Tammy and I have this environment. We've been married. We'll be married 32 years next month. And we have five kids, two, two grandkids on three on the, and three on the way. Yes, I'm making that announcement right now. There are three on the way this year. Yeah, praise God for that. It's crazy. It's crazy. By the way, grandparents are awesome. Don't kill your kids. Better ones are coming. Hang in there. Right? <laughs> They're just incredible. They're just awesome. Let them live. Let them live. Trust me. Trust me. Trust me. In fact, they're so great, if I'd have known that, I'd have had them first. I mean, they're amazing. But anyway, let them live. But honestly, and I, don't, 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 don't get weird with this comment, but, our, but the health of our relationship has, caused, has obviously caused the multiplication. The health of every relationship, the fruit of every healthy environment is, is, is <laughs> You're not even thinking about kids. You're thinking about birth control. You have so many kids. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you'll have massive multiplication. And that's what happens when intimacy happens in a place. I'm telling you, it doesn't have to be here. It doesn't have to be us. But pastor, you need it. And I don't know if you've been hurt by something, disappointed by someone. Maybe you have a, you're carrying around a father wound. I'm telling you, listen to me. You need to get healed in Jesus' name. You need to be healed in Jesus' name. And I feel like I was supposed to close tonight and pray for people who just feel like there's a, there's a relational wound inside of you that needs to be healed. And if that's you, I'm going to ask one time, stand up on your feet right now. I'm just going to pray for you. There's faith in this room for you to be healed. Don't even be embarrassed. If you're the senior leader and your team's all around you, stand up, right? That's you. Stand up. We're going to be healed. You're going to be healed in Jesus' name. And I want you to close your eyes and reach up toward heaven. If you need to join us, come on, join us. Stand up and join us. If you're supposed to stand up, join us, join us. You're going to be healed in Jesus' name. Unless this healing takes place and you have the guts, people are still standing. Come on. Let's go. Come on. Don't wait. That's the Holy Spirit talking to you. Stand up. All right? All right. There you go. Good. There they are. Just open your hands before the Lord and just give it to God. And I want you to have your hands open. So I want, and I want you in your mind, I want you to let it go. Say, but they were wrong. Yeah, it's okay. Let it go. But they were mean. Yeah, I know. Let it go. But don't worry about it. Let it go. Just let God have it. It is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. He'll take care of it. He'll take care of it. You just, you just love. Just love. Just get, let love. And I want, I'm asking God to give you capacity once again to be loved. To show love and to be loved. Father, I thank you for what you're trying to say, I hope I did a good job, God, to communicate what I know is in my heart. 
for these people. And I pray, God, for a culture of life, a culture of relationships, a culture of fathering, a culture of family. And God, for every wound, every, everything the enemy has tried to put in our lives to stop it, we break its power right now in the name of Jesus. And we know it's not real, it's just a lie. It's a pretension that we have believed and we gave it power when we believed it. So right now, God, we cast down those, those thoughts that are in opposition to the truth of your word. God, we are fathered. You set the lonely in families and we thank you, God, for the family of friends in this room, the relationship, the love. And I pray, God, for great healing to take place. Let it begin. God, even for some, let it be completed tonight. Never even to be thought of again. And I pray, God, that you'll cause a relational multiplication take place in every church for the kingdom of God. Now, everybody stand and reach up toward heaven. Father, thank you for what you're doing in all of us. God, give us clarity as we look for a pastor and as we build relationships and we're a bit more intentional about relating to each other and getting close to each other. And I pray, God, that we're mutually encouraged by the faith of one another and we're changed in the mighty name of Jesus and we'll give you all the glory. Come on, lift your voice and sing. church let's give Jesus our highest praise come on you do better than that come on thank you Jesus you know I was I was sitting over there while Pastor Chris was was teaching teach preaching uh, and I thought about this you know in, in in January of 2017 January 24th it was day 17 of uh, 21 days of prayer and fasting and I was laying on a, a inflatable mattress uh, at my sister's apartment in downtown San Francisco. Um, I'd been looking for a house for my wife and my kids to move in, uh, move, they were in Dallas and we were trying to get over to San Francisco to plant the church. And uh, I was laying on that inflatable mattress, looking up at the ceiling. And I just remember just thinking, what have I done? And I was so, I had, I was so discouraged. I remember thinking, oh my gosh, I've ruined our life. I don't know what I have done. Uh, rent here is like six, $7,000 for a three bedroom. This is insane. How are we going to do this? And I'm laying there and I get a text from Pastor Chris. 
and, uh, and I don't know if you can hear me, PC, wherever you're at, but um, his words tonight carry weight with me because he's modeled what he's asking us to multiply. And, um, and I laid there and I just read his text with tears in my eyes and I just thought, I am so thankful um, for, for Pastor Chris, but also for Art, for this family here. I think about whenever I was 15 years old, whenever my father, he left our family and uh, I didn't know how to be father. See, we live in a generation now that know, they love to be mother, but they don't know how to be father. And I didn't know how to be fathered. And I think about Pastor Dino stepping in, in the middle of my brokenness, him and Dylan building a healing place for my hurting world. And it was in that place, Pastor Dino. I, I remember you and Mama D writing a check for $500, a personal check, not the church's check, a personal check to provide Christmas for our family when my father had left. And I think about the pastors that helped lead ARC. I think about Joe Champion, the encouraging voice he's been in my life. I think about Rick Bazette, the voice he's been in my, my life. I, I think about all the different people, all the different fathers. And I can say this tonight, that I, I, I could not imagine trying to do what God has called my wife and I to do in the city of San Francisco without a family like this. I think about not just the fathers, but I think about the brothers. I think about the text every morning, every Sunday morning I get from Kyle Turner saying, don't jump off a bridge today, my friend. You're gonna do this, speaking prophetically and speaking faith. I think about Josh Turner texting me every Sunday afternoon, how was today? I think about Jeremy Foster wiring me money saying, you can do this, I believe in you. I think, I think about the brothers and the sisters and the fathers and the mothers in this family. And I can tell you this, we are better together. Jennifer Laird and Jason Laird, we are better because of the family that we have here at ARC. And I just wanna to say to all of you, to the ARC family, to the pastors, the lead guys, thank you so much for accepting Jennifer and Jason Laird and Liam and Nixon Laird into the family here at ARC. Can we do this? Can we clap our hands for these guys for creating this that we get to be a part of? Thank you, Pastor Chris, for that word. What a great word. And um, I just want to tell you, man, we've had an amazing day. How many of you think we've had a great day today? It's been good. It's going to get even better. Uh, we have a great after party. But I, I wanted to just draw your attention to something really quick. You know, I was saying that we, we just moved to San Francisco this past year. And uh, last year was crazy. We were here. And uh, we had many of you who came and encouraged us and prayed for us. We planted our church September 17th there, right in downtown San Francisco. And uh, we've seen 78 people come to know Christ in just six months. And... Uh, you know, if, if you looked in that, if you looked in Ark's little book that you received whenever you came in, uh, it says on there that San Francisco is one, I think it's the number one churchless city in America. And, uh, and I wanted to say this to all of you because tomorrow we're going to be receiving an offering. And, uh, and I wanted to say to you that uh, we would not be able to do what we're doing right now as, as a church plant. We're like 680, uh, the 680 church plant of Ark. And it's because of the resources of ARC that we were able to plant our church and we're still able to be in a city that we're at right now, serving people and reaching people. And I personally wanted to say to you, ARC, I wanna look at you in your face and say, thank you for your generosity. Thank you for your sacrifice. Thank you for believing in church planners. Thank you for believing in couples that just have a dream in their heart with not a dime in their pocket. Thank you for believing in them. It's because of your resources we're able to do this. And I wanna ask you to do this, just pray how you can give tomorrow. I know even us as a six month old church, we came prepared to give. We printed our check back home and we brought it with us because we're gonna give. We're gonna pray and we say, God, what would you have us give? We don't have an amount yet because God hasn't told us yet, but tomorrow, tonight and tomorrow we'll be praying, God, what would you have us sow into other church planners to see them? And so I just wanna ask you, just be praying. Say, God, how can we give? How can we, how can we sow into good ground? Because this is good ground here at ARC, amen? 
Hey, listen, the after party is going to be so good. Uh, look at this. We have, uh, we have a little after party. It's sponsored by One Hope. So thankful for One Hope, what they, they've done to be able to partner with us and invest in this. But it's going to be a great after party. We have some desserts. We have some acai bowls. We have some sorbet. We have some fried chicken. No, we don't have fried chicken. That looks like, no, that, that's macaroons. Macaroons is what we have there. We have some, we have some mini bunt cakes. We have some chocolate some cheesecake, cupcakes. I don't have my glasses on. I'm getting old. We got cake pops. And we have DJ Peter Haas in the house. He's going to be DJing again. It's going to be good. So listen, make sure you, you, you stick around. This One of the most powerful things about ARC is we love moments like this. But the conversations you're going to have, the relationships you're going to build, listen, your resources and your relationship, that the, the people around you, your network is your net worth, we hear people say, right? So make sure you connect with people tonight. Stick around. Tomorrow, the doors open, listen, at 8.30 a.m. So be here early. Get your seat. It's going to be an amazing time. We have Miles McPherson is going to be speaking, Pastor Greg Surratt. We have, uh, we're going to be talking, we're on a panel with, about diversity and growth. And then we have none other than John Gray in the house tomorrow. And so it's going to be a good time. Okay, so we're going to have a great time. Amen? Hey, we love you guys so much. Stick around. God bless you. Have an amazing evening. We'll see you back here at 8.30 a.m.